This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. This week on End Friends, I talk about mass hysteria that has plagued the humanity throughout the years. We're going to be doing sex talk as always this week. We got the good, we got the bad, and of course, the ugly. And a zoo who might be doing the real-life Hunger Games. All that and more on the next And Friends. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and we're back for yet another uh, well-rounded episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And Lou, it was one of those nice days uh, yesterday over the weekend, and I had my uh, Impala out, and I always like to see what else is uh, traveling the roads. And I didn't really see too many classics on the roads, but it must have been Challenger Day because I saw at least four... Dodge Challengers, late model Dodge Challengers on the road, and late, it also late defined late model. Light may, would be the 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 one that came out, you know, in whenever it was reintroduced oh, as the retro thirteen or yeah, eleven or something. Yeah, like that. Okay. yeah. All right, so late not, model. We're not talking seventy. No, no, okay. no. Right. Late model Challengers, and then I saw a ton. I saw at least four uh, C seven Corvettes too. So uh, I, and it was weird because I didn't see anything that was not a C7. I didn't see any, um, you know, 60s vets or 70s vets. I didn't see any C4s like I have. It's just a bunch of C8s. So it must have been drive That's your... Not C8s. I, I'm sorry, C7s. Yeah, yeah okay. I wrote C8s here because I've got C8 on the brain because, of course, they're they're out now. But no, C7s. Yeah, you haven't seen any C8s yet. Not but, yet. Uh, not yet, but they're out there. But uh, it must have been uh, drive your late... Uh, model uh, muscle car day uh, while I'm tooling along in the uh, 58 Impala, but at least four Challengers and four C7s on the road, so it was good to see people at least getting uh, their exercise in on their cars, always something I like to to do. So let's let's slow you down a little bit. So okay. what was the reaction on the 58? You know, I didn't, uh, usually uh, when I'm driving around, I'll get uh, thumbs up and stuff. I had, I think a guy on a BMW motorcycle going the opposite direction gave me thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, and that was the only one that I saw. Okay. Um, I don't usually, when I'm at a stoplight, I don't usually look around to the guy's on either side of me to see if they're reacting to the car every now and then somebody might tootle their horn a little bit or i'll notice that somebody's rolling their window down but uh, i think it's partly because it's not full-blown summer yet when you get the windows because whenever it's summer since there's no air conditioning in the impala i'll always have the windows down and it's easier to talk to people that way but um i'm sure people like it you know it's one of those things that uh just makes people feel good when they see it so yeah instant friend maker it is uh and also too wanted to uh continue the fiat 500 saga you had uh, named the my new fiat 500 that i picked up at the end of last year um is the Fiat that pees a lot. Yeah. And uh, the coolant uh, issue has still not been resolved. Uh, just want to do a very, very quick Cliff Notes edition here. So I, um, can, I, can I jump in again? Yeah, sure. So instead of the Fiat, it could be the pee a lot. Yeah, the pee a lot. That's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> the pee I don't want to disparage. The lot 500. I, I don't want to disparage the car that much, though, because <laughs> I still do enjoy it. And I still, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not blaming the car. I don't know if it was a manufacturing thing. I don't know if the dealer doesn't know what they're doing. But, uh, this is the fifth time it's been in. The car's only got 750 miles on it. And the oddest thing is, so the last time I had it in for this uh, issue, the coolant leak, and it's not a, a lot of coolant that's leaking, uh, they they barely found anything that was leaking the last time. They put the dye in the system to make sure. Should we start to do calculations like 750 miles and five trips? Well, I, I've already done that. I've already said Jeez. one third of the mileage of the car has been driving to and from my house to the dealer. It's wow. like a 54-mile round trip. And they picked up the car this time for me. I said, look, I'm tired of driving in. I don't need a loaner. Just come to my house, pick it up, and and bring it in. And I'm waiting to hear back. They got back to me relatively quickly. But the weird thing is, let me back up a little bit. 
So the fourth time that it was in, they didn't really find too much. That's when they they put the dye in the system and they were and they brought it through several uh, full heat up cool down cycles to make sure nothing was leaking. And they said that the only thing they could find was one tiny little leak uh, where they thought a hose clamp wasn't positioned correctly. So I this that was the fourth time. That was about three weeks ago. And I had the car at home for, you know, about a week and a half. I had been driving it, and I didn't notice any leakage underneath it. And then the car was sitting, just sitting on the driveway outside for four days, not being driven. And I came out on a Sunday morning, and I'm looking underneath, and I'm like, no, don't tell me. And it, this, yeah. and it was the biggest. It was a, a huge puddle. It was like wow. a one, one, at least a foot square <laughs> you're, 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 of you're getting close bright, to man, manhole size. Yeah, bright uh, yellow, you know, dye-infused coolant. So I took a picture of it finally with my cell phone. Good idea. And I, I sent it to him, and I just said, look, you know, this is still not resolved. So that's when they picked up the car, and they sent me some photos. Because I had looked under the hood then, too. I'm like, I, I still don't know where this thing is leaking from. And I saw leakage at the coolant bottle, and and then somewhere down where it was dripping onto the um, splash panel. Wouldn't that be funny if it was just the coolant bottle? Well, but how though? Because it wasn't leaking before <laughs> I mean, a, though. That's the a weird crack thing. In the plastic it could the be. Well, the- what he said, he said we found leak, um, some leakage around the coolant bottle or the hose or something. And then he said also down by the lower radiator hose, which is there to replace that. But he said they're just, just going to take the whole coolant bottle off, replace that. And then I guess the hose, the hose that comes off the coolant bottle is like a three-piece assembly. And he said it's an assembly, so they're going to replace that. And the thing that that really flummoxed me though was the fact that how could the car i know coolant tends to expand and contract a little bit with temperature and it seemed like it was doing that because it had gotten colder than it got warmer but how can it just be sitting without being driven and just decides to take a leak and to that extent i mean if coolant expands and contracts a little bit internally in the engine that's okay but to to do that and just start pissing all over the place on its own well let me answer that that. question yeah that was not that difficult this is liquid we're talking about yeah so So this is the science side of lou here this is the science side right so if there is actual crackage leakage spillage clampage that's not working it's gonna find the leak it's gonna find the leak right yeah but the but like i said though i was driving it for a whole week before that that and brought it through a bunch of heat up cool down cycles and i didn't see any leakage unless it was just building up in the splash panel then it finally reaches the point where it drips off the splash panel because it was farther in back of where it was mm-hmm. actually leaking. So they've got the car still. I'm waiting to hear back. I'm not bugging them or anything, but this, this will I'm be just going to be gun shy when this, I get it back. This is something we will be laughing about, which I am right now, and <laughs> exactly. you're not. Well, but but you will be laughing about this moment. These I, are I've, cars. This happens I'm, to all I'm of not, them. I'm not that. I'm not upset really because, like I said, I had such a good experience with my first one. Yeah. Eight years, it didn't drip a drop of coolant. But you know, and then but this it's, car is, but it's a little bit like a bank account. You know, you had a lot of, you know, a lot of money in good, the bank with that one. Yeah, and then this one's using it up. This one's, this one's <laughs> starting to slowly chunk it out <laughs> in the withdrawal section. So we'll uh, keep you updated on what the final uh, resolution the is fiat, on that. PLOT. The PLOT, exactly. And another thing I wanted to mention, Lou, too, is I recently went to a Buick Olds Pontiac Club swap meet, something that uh, happened uh, basically mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the swap meet that's in the middle of winter. So you're kind of star for your car show thing. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) and and the the auctions are over and you want to do something. So it was basically like any other car swap. I mean, it's almost just like a flea market. People just drag out a whole bunch of junk and it was fun to go to, but it was funny though. You know that you're you're with a group that is uh, dedicated car people because they actually had a car corral, which at car shows are usually... um, the, they call it a car corral. It's either cars for sale or cars just that some people might want to bring to a swap meet and show off. They actually had a car corral. There's like two cars in the car corral, but there were actually sellers outside in the parking lot standing on the snow with their stuff on their tables. Wow. And it's like, you know, we're a hardy bunch when <laughs> yeah. you go to a swap meet in the middle of winter. They mean it. And there's people outside hawking their wares. So I uh, I did want to make mention of that because I got a, a pretty big kick out of it. If you like what you hear on the car guys report and of course we certainly hope that you do be sure to tell a friend about us we are the car guys report informed automotive it's available online at radiomisfits.com you can follow us on twitter at car guys podcast of course our email inbox is open 24 7 car guys report at hotmail.com 
I wanted to uh, bring uh, this up, Lou. This is something that I certainly got a chuckle out of, and we're going to actually, I think, have some fun with this. This came, this is just a blurb. I get a magazine at home called The Week, and basically it's a conglomeration of news stories and tidbits from a whole bunch of different sources, and they put uh, all those things together on a weekly basis. So it's kind of like a quick read for what's going on in the world. And they always have, they have an auto section, they have a travel section, a food section, but it's all like one page or half page kind of tidbits. It's always interesting. And actually, the, the next two stories actually came from the week. But this one, I got a, I got a kick out of. They have a, a, a section every week called Good Week 4 and then Bad Week 4. And they have three different things under those categories. And this is the Good Week 4, proving the obvious after a new study in the International Journal of Psychology found that drivers of German luxury sports cars are more likable to be self-centered men who are argumentative, stubborn, disagreeable, and unempathetic. And I'm like, hmm, who do I know that drives a, a German luxury sports car? Well, I've got two Porsches and a Mercedes. So, <laughs> so Lou, which one am I? You're, am you're I argumentative? Qualified. Am I am I self-centered? <laughs> What is it? I, I can only hope all of the above. Um, no, I mean... Uh, I will say I'm stubborn. I, I think, you know, I think that... Um, I think car people are some of the best, most, you know, caring people. And, I, and I'm not saying that uh, uh, unsincerely, meaning that, you know, these are people who uh, usually want to share their cars... They usually want to share their cars, and they do a good job of it. So um, let me give you actual numbers. So when I go to video at a car show, um, I was just at the World of Wheels in Milwaukee. Ding, there's a tip for them. The World of Wheels in Milwaukee, and I'm there on driving day, and uh, I videoed 10 cars, and I saw one guy who was very polite and said, Lou, thanks so much, but I don't think I want my car videoed. So That's um, fine. Uh, yeah, that. so I would, you know, I consider that 10 for 10. I mm-hmm. mean, I know he didn't allow me to video his car, and it was outstanding, and I won't say it because it's not on the channel, but, you know, I would say when I'm at, usually it's like one out of every 20. So 19 people who've never met me before most of the time, and let's just say five of them have, but let's just say 15 people who've never met me, I can walk up to and say, I'd like to video your car. And they go, "Uh, okay. I mean, knowing me for all of four seconds. So so, the drivers of the luxury German automobiles that you've walked up to. (laughs) I mean, I know you just did that AMG GT, and that was very cool. That was very cool. Um, Um, Porsche guys, um, uh, Ferrari people. I know we're talking German cars right now. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, Volkswagen people are probably the most friendly people yeah. you ever meet. So I mean, I don't know how you could say that they're, you know, stuck up. But well, I don't know what kind of uh, like survey or questionnaire they yeah. sent out to come to these. Uh, uh, the Italians, like myself, they're kind of hot blooded, but yeah. that's 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, to come to, I can see that they're. Uh, I would I would say that. You know, I am stubborn. I can be disagreeable. I'm not necessarily unempathetic, but I'm not self-centered, and I'm not argumentative. Uh, you know, as a as a as a depends standard the, thing. Depends it depends on what it is. But uh, <laughs> overall, I think I'm a pretty nice guy. But. Um, I just thought that it was funny because, you know, it reminded me of the old joke I'm sure that you've heard many times is, uh, you know, what's the difference between a porcupine and a BMW? What's that? And the porcupine has the pricks on the outside. <laughs> so BMW drivers, that email address again, carguysreport at hotmail.com, flame on if you'd like. But that's a great, it's a great joke and it just kind of fits right into that because yeah. this is kind of supporting the uh, stereotype there. So uh, I just thought it was funny and, um, well, I you know, mean, I thought, I, well, I kind of fit into that because I got three of those things. <laughs> so what, what what are the categories you're saying again? Let self-centered me men. All right, let's stay there. Um, I don't find you as being self-centered. No, I, I don't think What's so. What's the next one? Argumentative. You it said depends I can on be. the topic. Yeah. But, Stubborn, but, but general, you can ask but my by girlfriend. The way, by the way, generally, no. Yeah. All right. Stubborn, you can ask my girlfriend. She'd uh, say yes. Well, uh, every guy's wife's going to say yes. I mean, you know. um, Disagreeable and unempathetic. <laughs> <laughs> disagreeable. Um, I don't see as very disagreeable. And unempathetic. I, I, I mean, you were just talking about my Fiat that's peeing all over the place, and I'm like I, saying, hey, I, it's not the car's fault. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so so 
It depends on the person, just it, like anything else. It does. I have found that sometimes Ferrari drivers, I think, they can be a bit standoffish. Mm, yeah. Maybe. At times. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, let's take one step back on anything in life, whether it's sharing whatever, sharing a bowling ball, sharing, you know, whatever. It's all about know, like, and trust. Yeah. If they know you, they like you, they trust you, they'll they'll be happy to, to hand you the keys. I mean, uh, um, I, I've had people who've been watching the channel, and I'm not asking, and they say, Lou, would you like to drive it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, you know, it, 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 let, me, let me use this as an example. I came here today to speak with you. One of the first things you said to me, Lou, would you like a water? I mean, well, see, I do that every every week. But I'm just saying, you know, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you know, like I, I want to take care of you. And that's an awesome thing. So I think, you know, when you know somebody like somebody um, and care for somebody, you'll, you'll share. I mean, there are guys who I know who won't share their cars and uh, we'll name them individually by name later. No, we won't. Um, but uh, um, just remember I, I, when I, you see the I, Porsche on the on the road next time, give the driver a stink eye and see what he does to you. <laughs> Usually I'm giving them a thumbs up, yeah. so, so I'd have to have to change it. But it's all about no like and trust, and and that's that's where you're going to. Yeah, go. I just I just thought it was it was funny because I, I can uh, you know uh, agree and disagree with what they were saying there. And I just thought it was very timely that it that I I noticed Speak, that for the speaking podcast. of timely though I I can share some stories on people who when I first met them were a little were standoffish. really standoffish. Yeah. And then, I mean I tend to be like that with certain people just because of the fact that. I don't just necessarily trust somebody right off the bat. Yeah. Well, that's good. See, we're a little opposite in that. Yeah. Like, you'll you'll stand off, kind of prove yourself. Yeah. And that's normal with a guy who's more analytical, which is you. And then there's myself who almost gives them free reign and lets them screw it up later. Yeah. So, you know, like, oh, Luke, can I, you know, take your keys? Your car? Yeah, here's my key, your car. Yeah. By the way, the garage is over there. And <laughs> here's the button on the thing. Make sure you open the garage. <laughs> you know, so I, I tend to trust too much and then find out later whether I was right or not, yeah. where you tend to prove it a little bit to me and then yeah. I'll, I'll open my. Yeah, door. I didn't know what to make of you that's, when I first normal. met you like four years ago. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and, and let's take that as a perfect example. So you just met me. You don't know who I I am and the next thing you know i think we videoed every one of your cars. we did yeah basically yeah, yeah. so so there you go yeah, ladies so, and gentlemen <laughs> yeah so that's how it works we're we're a good combo for each other and and i think most people who understand i understand your skill sets you understand mine exactly we, exactly it works we know well. each other we yeah. like each other we trust each other uh, another article that was uh, appeared in the week recently and i also saw another blurb on this somewhere else i can't remember where it was i think it was online and this is very interesting too i have great respect for the farmers in our nation uh Obviously, they grow our food and they supply us and the world with a great deal of, of food. And actually, I was at a car show this summer and it was in a small town in Illinois. And one of the uh, attendees was there. And I don't think he had a car. I think he was just from the town and he was checking everything out. And I started talking. He started talking to me, actually. Yeah. And um, I met. He, I said, where do you live? Because I think he said he used to live in the Chicago suburbs. And he goes, no, I've been here for like 30 years. And I said, what do you do? Because I'm always curious. That's one thing my girlfriend always wonders, too, is like when we go to a small town, it's like, what do people do here? You know, I mean, obviously you need dentists and doctors and lawyers and things like that, but that obviously can't fill everybody's need for for work. And he said, um, I grow food. (laughs) So he's a farmer, but he said he didn't call himself a farmer. He goes, I grow food. And I just thought that was kind of a neat way to to say it. And I said, how's your crop going to be this year? He goes, well, it was really wet in the spring, but uh, came along real well and we'll have a we're going to have a decent crop. So it's like, cool. And. This is very interesting. You know how we're always kvetching about uh, the cars that we drive. Uh, the late model cars are getting too computerized and too you can't fix anything on your own yeah. and everything. And this is this is real and this is happening right now. For tech weary Midwest farmers, forty year old tractors are now a hot commodity. This is according to Adam Bell's in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Machines from John Deere's popular Iron Horse series, produced between nineteen seventy seven and nineteen eighty two, are starting bidding wars today a typical model costs eighteen thousand dollars but those with little use can fetch 
can fetch much more. One 1979 tractor sold for 61000 in August, and that's still a lot less than one hundred and fifty grand a new machine costs these days, and it comes without the tech headaches. That's the thing that, that these people are wanting, why they want these old, old tractors. Uh, one of the farmers said, anytime something breaks, you've got to have a computer to fix it. That's a problem if you're stuck in the field waiting for a serviceman to come out to the field and, and, and fix your tractor. Tractors from the early, earlier era still have enough horsepower to do anything most farmers need and their design isn't very different from those of the more recent vintage except they come without all the irksome software and you know farmers are self-reliant people too they want to be able to fix things on their own and i can see the frustration behind that because if you've ever seen any video on these modern tractors i mean they have gps and they have uh almost like auto autopilot where they'll just steer themselves via GPS and this cab. farmer just rides along in the cab with the air conditioning and the stereo and the video and the, and the Wi-Fi yeah, and the joystick. It's, it's yeah, the joysticks. It's unbelievable. So I can really see why they're they're wanting to go back to the simpler days. So my next door neighbor has three tractors. Um I live out in the I I guess some people would say the suburbs the country. I live in the sticks. <laughs> And uh, I mean, on my on my street alone, there's a Farmall, there's a John Deere, there's a Alice Chalmers, and there's a Ford. So, uh, yeah, these guys these guys talk tractors. They like their tractors, and uh, and these are older tractors. Yeah, 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 and they're they're pretty committed to them. Although the next door neighbor as well, he drives. Um, I think he drives for the county or something, where he drives one of those uh, lawn. Tra- uh, I call them a lawn tractor, but it's a tractor with. This massive thing is deck on behind, it, yeah, yeah deck or, or the thing it. behind it, yeah, okay, the yeah, thing behind it where it's cutting like all the highway sure stuff down, and yeah, that, that's uh, that's a monster yeah. tractor. That's that that'll roll your car over. It feels like, but it's it's neat though that this phenomenon has started because yeah. there are you know plenty of farm auctions that run. Actually, uh, Meekum does a handful of farm implement auctions yeah. versus. Uh, including car auctions, they'll do f- specific farm ones too. And I haven't tracked the results on on of those auctions, but it would be curious to see what the older tractors are going for. But it's interesting that we're not the only ones that are complaining about things getting too you know high tech and unserviceable. I think that's really what what the the key is here is the fact that you just can't do anything yourself if yeah, something no. craps out. Yeah. So you're stuck in the middle of the field, and time is money with those guys because they got to, the crops either in the ground or or harvested in a very short window of time, and and even a half a day could be detrimental yeah. to them. So right. uh, I just thought that was a very interesting um, article and, and a phenomenon that has uh, started to uh, come out in the last uh, couple of years. And, and tractors are fun. I oh, mean, they're cool. I've never actually... I, I, I like looking at them because sometimes I'll yeah. go to car shows in smaller towns where they actually will have, as part of the car show, they'll have a tractor show too. And you'll yeah. see 20 or 30 really cool like 40s and 50s type tractors that just look really neat. Yeah. I mean, you get on a tractor, it's an awesome thing. Is it? Yeah. yeah so <laughs> The farmer Lou is... The farmer and Lou is many, uh, many coming Many facets out. to Lou. <laughs> We're at the point in the program where we always like to uh, talk about a car that is either for sale or uh, has recently sold via very uh, either an online auction or it might be posted on Hemmings.com or one of the many uh, consignment uh, places that are around these days. And this is something that Lou and I have been looking forward to talking about, this particular model. It comes it's currently for sale at the uh, GR Auto Gallery. And I will uh, preface this with the fact that I am a customer of GR Auto Gallery. I'm not trying to uh, promote them in any way, but I've had a good experience with them. They've uh, bought one. Actually, that's where I bought my 58 Impala from, Lou. Mm. And then they sold four well, of my well, cars. Let's give, let's give them a shout No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine giving them. I mean, I wanted to do this partly because, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're it came from them. So, no, I got my 58 Impala from them. They sold my Alpha, my Bentley, my Jaguar, and my 51 um, Chevy pickup. They're in Michigan. Uh, GR stands for Grand Rapids. Ah. They have three locations. They have a Detroit location, Grand Rapids location, and then there's one other smaller location they have, but it's all in Michigan. When you got your 58, did you go and drive to get it? I drove up there, looked at it, made the deal, came back, and then three weeks later, I drove up again, and I drove the car home, yeah. What? So you drove a rental car to it? No, I had a friend of mine. Okay. Or actually, I, I drove up there with a friend of mine to, to look at the car initially. I made the deal, came back, and then three weeks later, I had my friend drive his car up there with me in it, Got and it. then he followed me home. Got and it. it was great. It was uh, no, no issues at all bringing the, the 58 home from, from Grand Rapids, so that was neat. What's that? Uh, it's about 200 miles from the Chicago area. Say. Yeah. So, so you're talking five hours in that thing? Mm, 
You're not with do- traffic. Yeah. Were you doing sixty? Yeah, I was doing sixty. Okay. Yeah, maybe four. Because it floats. Total with traffic. Yeah, it was it's great. A floater. It was good. So it was a good shakedown cruise. But I've had I have a good experience with them. And the neat thing about them as a as a consignment place is they have a they have a very very good selection of cars, and you can go to their website grautogallery.com, and they update their inventory almost uh, every day. And they sell a lot of cars. They sell over eight hundred cars a year, which is a lot for a consignment wow. place because a lot of consignment places you'll see the same car lingering for months and months and months and sometimes it does take a while to sell certain cars but they have a lot of cool inventory and one of the ones they have for sale is a 1994 corvette convertible it's a c4 anniversary edition 40th anniversary edition it's in that ruby red uh color which most people associate with the anniversary edition it's my my understanding that i think you could have gotten the anniversary edition package on other vehicles uh, or other colors, but the ruby red is like the one that mm-hmm. most of them came yeah. in. And it's a triple ruby red, so it's the, the interior is ruby red, and I believe that the top is too. It's an automatic, and um, the conundrum here is the fact that this car has only 641 miles on it. So, I mean, sometimes we'll see cars that, that are for sale that only have like 28 miles, and that's super low. But, I mean, any car that's got less than 1,000 miles on it, and this is 641, and it's uh, almost uh, 25, uh, 27 years old now. Uh, the conundrum here, Lou, is what do you do with it? Do you drive it? Do you store it? Do you buy it and hold on to it and try to flip it? So what would you do? I'll start there. I, I don't think I would buy it. Just to, what's, just what's, because what was the price? It's twenty. It, it's a premium price. They want like twenty eight nine for it. So mm-hmm. it's about a at least a ten to fifteen thousand dollar premium over yeah, what? Yeah, that's 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 a little high. <laughs> but it again, I mean, any consignment place you go to, you're always going to be paying a little bit more. Yeah. And just the fact that it's six hundred forty one miles. I mean, it's just like. You're not going to find that many cars with that no. kind of mileage on it. But what do you do? I mean, if you were going to drive it, you would have to go through the car to make sure. I mean, does it have the original brake fluid in it? I mean, it's 641 miles. Has the oil ever been changed? You'd have to do a lot of recommissioning or at least checking of of components. I mean, the brakes. I mean, would the brakes be any good? I mean, would the... Would the uh, you know, the calipers be working properly after 640. And I don't know if it was 641 miles that was put on it, you know, in its first year, or is the owner driven at 10 miles a year just to keep things, you know, function active and functional. I don't know. Um, I so, probably just wouldn't buy it because if you start driving it, you're, you know, just getting rid of the reason why that car is, is what it is. Because the minute you start putting some miles on it, it just becomes like any other 1994 Corvette. And then you've all of a sudden, now you're back. Diminished any, any extra value it had in it because yeah. of its 641 miles. So you would not buy it. I, I just wouldn't buy it. Yeah, I, I really wouldn't just because of that. I mean, because I wouldn't want to just store it and just have it sit there. I, I hate that. I hate yeah. people that just store something and never use it. And I just wouldn't have the heart to drive it because that would... That would, what would you do? I mean, you, you're kind of nodding your head like you'd probably drive it. But of course. Would you? Yeah. You wouldn't I, care? I would, well, um, first of all, I think I, this is my opinion. I think that price is high for that car. Oh, it is. Yeah. So, um, but if it was a normal buy, and let me define a normal buy. If they said, okay, it's a 94 and you said it was 29,000, right? 28,9. Yeah. 28,9. So, um, you know, if they said that this was a twenty thousand dollar car, let's put with six hundred forty with six hundred forty miles, yeah. then I'd sit back and say I could be driving a ninety four Corvette, or I can be driving a little bit less than a Honda HRV. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the ninety four Corvette and at least be cool and have fun with it and know that it's going to last for two hundred thousand. So miles. you wouldn't care. You would just start rolling miles onto it. I, I'd start rolling miles onto it. Obviously, I drive extremely cautiously at first. Quick, funny story of a guy in Milwaukee, and you'll see this car come up on the video. He bought a used car, and they forgot to tell him that the brakes didn't work. Well, <laughs> do your due diligence first. I mean, come on. So he stuck it in first gear and <laughs> pulled it in his garage and <laughs> kept going. <laughs> drove it right into his pickup. Yeah. So, oh, man. So yeah, it's, the best part of this story is. His wife came out, and she was yelling. She's like, did you hit our other car? And he's like, no, 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 I hit our pickup. She's like, oh, okay. You and, self-centered, and, uh, and, stubborn, <laughs> disagreeable, unempathetic man. And, and, and then, sure enough, five minutes later, she came back and said, I'm talking to my sister, yeah. and she asked me to ask if you're okay. <laughs> 
Yep. So yep. his wife wasn't worried about him. It was like, did you hit our, our green car? No. Oh, you hit the pickup. Okay, yeah, fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. And by fine. the way, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> she didn't even ask that. No no concern on that. But anyway, stay tuned to the channel, My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. You'll see that episode coming up. But It'll be would, a 73 duster, by the way. But you would drive it. You would drive this 600. If it was a normal, I, I think that price is too high. I'd agree with you. Yeah, but people are going to pay up for but, something like that. But if, though, too. but if it was closer to. Like, okay, you're going to pay a premium, but you're not going to pay so much of a premium yeah. that it's going to make you all of a sudden sway that way. I, w- I would drive it. it. And only because of the fact that, you know, the, the one thing you do need to think about is, is since it's a 94, it's a 20,000-mile tune-up. If it was a 2004, it would be a 100,000-mile No, no, tune-up. actually not. According to my 92 Corvette owner's manual, um, that car has basically 100,000-mile tune-ups. The plugs I think, I think, are, it, I think plug, it was 99 that that changed. Really? No, I, I know it because okay. I, I actually read my owner's manual, unlike of most people. I and do, too. I, I'm almost positive it was 100,000 miles okay. for like the plugs I, and I stuff. thought the very first car that was a 100,000-mile tune-up was actually a Z28, and I think it was 1999. Okay. But, okay. No, but I, whatever. I, I, I believe you because I know that you're... Um, I'll double check. An, you're analytical, <laughs> and you'll have the answer for me in the next episode. I, I will, actually, car. because I'm going to go in back of the car guy's warehouse and pull my, my uh, owner's manual, manual out of the, the glove box there and uh, take a look at it. I know that'll be on. Stay tuned to episode 5051. But, um, yeah, it's just an interesting um, you know, conundrum. And, you know, as a listener, what would you do? We'd like to hear your thoughts on it. You know, would you buy a 641-mile Corvette and buy it? And would you drive it? Would you store it? Would you store it to Flip it down the line. What would you do? You can always email us and let us know at carguysreport at hotmail.com. And if you like the Car Guys Report and Formed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other fine programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Like the show, Back to You. That's an OPI show. Legendary Chicago television personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about life, travel, food, and long list of things that get under their skin. Plus, you never know when one of their many famous pals might stop by. The show is called Back to You. It's an OPI show. You can go to opishows.com. That's O-P-P-I-H shows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And when you search for Radio Misfits, that's where you'll see us, too. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. That's what you're listening to right now. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. And um, there's a couple things that I stumbled across uh, some of the car magazines that I get, and I know that you're kind enough to pass along uh, your car magazines to me when you're done reading them, and I certainly do appreciate that, Lou, so thank you very much. This was a, a chart that came uh, out of Car and Driver recently, and we hear so much in the news about, you know, the death of the sedan, like, you know, the sedans are going away, and that's why Ford decided they're going to, um, you know, cease production of sedans except for, you know, Mustang, even though that's not a sedan, it's a two-door, but I think of a sedan being a four-door um, car. But they did a uh, an interesting chart here in uh, Car and Driver out of 388 total choices of vehicles that are available from all manu- all major manufacturers, divided up by between convertibles, coupes, sedans, hatchbacks, wagons, trucks, SUVs, and vans. Uh, obviously, the SUV category is the largest. 127 total um, choices in that category. Uh, Ford being uh, towards the top, along with Toyota and uh, General Motors. Uh, Subaru is up there in the SUV category because it goes by color. So I'm I'm hoping I'm not uh, colorblind here. No, Fiat Chrysler is the one that that's that some of the colors are pretty close, like green and olive. But uh, some of the other things you might not uh, be you might be surprised at is the fact that the sedan category is actually the second largest, 95 total sedan choices mm. across the manufacturer. So it's 127 SUVs, 95 available sedans, and then the next uh, largest one is actually, and this is interesting, convertibles. 47 models of convertibles are available across the different manufacturers, followed by 45, and this one really surprised me, 45 coupes, because I'm a coupe guy, and you hardly, it seems like it's really hard to find coupes these days, but they're out there. 45 different coupes, 34 different hatchbacks, 18 different trucks, 
12 different vans, and then the wagon category, which would be station wagons, is the smallest at 10. So it's just a, an interesting, um, you know, pie chart, I guess you'd call it, is the way they, they came up with it. The fact that the wagons are actually the smallest category. Sedans are still holding their own very nicely at 95 different choices. And of course, this this is pretty much every manufacturer. They covered Ford, Toyota, General Motors, Honda, Nissan, Fiat Chrysler, Hyundai, Subaru, uh, VW, BMW, Mercedes, Mazda, Tesla, Volvo, Jaguar, Land Rover, Ferrari, McLaren, and Aston Martin. So that's pretty much all all major production manufacturers there. So if you think of the sedan, you you know, let's say you walk into the Honda dealer. You're usually a family. You're you know, and if you're looking at an Accord or a Civic, you're thinking of the four door. You know, the only one who'd be buying a two-door coupe, you know, the SI or something really sporty or, you know, the, the Accord Sport or whatever they call it, is probably going to be somebody who's younger. So you probably don't have as much money as the people who want to buy the family car that's going to be, you know, the good the good investment, so to speak, that you buy your your college-age student as a parent, if you will. So, or, or a, you know... You want to pe- get other people in it, so you buy the four-door. One thing they also said, too, in this article is the fact that if you just take the SUV category alone at 127 different models, but then kind of going along with kind of what you were saying, if you combine some of these other ones, like coupes, sedans, and hatchbacks, which cover you know a broader range of people, they're going to be more total choices than just the SUV category. They said, without the fog of our crossover-filled commute, we found that there are actually more cars for sale than there are SUVs, vans, and pickup trucks. But even though there are a lot of vehicle shapes out there, choice doesn't guarantee sales, um, which is true, too. But, I mean, they, they bring up the, the the fact that Mercedes, which basically, I think, has one of the widest ranges of vehicle types that you can buy of any manufacturer. The E-Class, you can get it as a four-door, a coupe, a convertible, and a station wagon all in one you know all across the board so that that that'll pop in there at four different things but it's a very interesting chart and i just wanted to to bring it up because we've heard so much about oh the sedans are dead and you won't be able to find a sedan and you know coupes are pretty much on the way out and i think to me the the two the two categories here that are, that are going to grow more is station wagons i think are actually finally kind of getting more interest especially the smaller wagons I think those should definitely be a category that's going to go up in um, in volume there. And trucks, I don't know how they I, – trucks, I guess, would just be pickup trucks. But I was surprised that there was only 18 um, different uh, models uh, across the manufacturers uh, offered in the truck category. But, of yeah, course, that like – that was a surprise. Yeah, but like an F-150, though, I mean, you can get how many different – something like 4,000 different variations of that one model, though, too. So it's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, we're just talking strictly like, you know, here's an F-150, here's an F-250, here's a Ram, here's a Silverado, things like that. Uh, of course, we'll see continued uh, growth in the SUV category. And the sedan category, I think, will definitely uh, hold up because – for many people, kind of like what you were saying, a sedan and or I think a hatchback is probably many people's first cars, either hand-me-downs from the family or their first used car or their first new car that they go out and buy. So, um, But it's interesting. We just want to always keep you up to date on the trends and things happening here on in the automotive world here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. We've got to take a quick break. We will be back momentarily. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Essential businesses in Florida. A COVID-19 joke. <laughs> what does this lever do? <laughs> My brother with former Cubs Glenn Beckert and Jim Fry. And two celebrity interviews, poker player Tristan Wade and rock and roll icon Jim Peter. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Search for Radio Misfits. The Tony Lasano Podcast and Opi Production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. I am Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on Back to You our podcast we do all kinds of things like how would you describe it we do nitpicky things sometimes like how come you got headphones on and i don't because i'm the star of the show well see that's up for uh debate and deliberation and uh, a lot of the show is about who gets top billing and last word well we'll find out in the next back to you with howard sudbury and steve baskerville see ya bye back to you with howard sudbury and steve baskerville an opi show 
only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable and... You know, one of my favorite categories by default, I think, Lou, because I keep finding all these interesting tidbits in the news, is we've talked a lot uh, on the program here about how cars are getting more and more uh, digital displays and, and touch screens and, and colorful displays uh, in, inside the car and the interiors with the dash, dashboards and things like that. And there was an interesting um, Opinion, I guess you'd call it, that came out in Motor Trend from uh, the editor Angus McKenzie. I think he's the editor-in-chief of that magazine. And he had an article about the trouble and danger with touchscreens. And he says that touchscreens have changed the world, but they said in the aftermath of the 2017 collision between the USS John S. McCain and a civilian tanker in the Singapore, Singapore Strait in which 10 sailors died, the U.S. Navy is about to ditch touchscreen helm controls on its destroyers. Reporting on the investigation into the incident, the U.S. Naval Institute said a com- complex touchscreen system that sailors had been poorly trained on had contributed to a loss of control of the ship and of course we're talking about a huge uh, you know ship but you know those issues can translate down into the automotive world too automakers have fallen in love with touchscreens not just because they look cool but because they save money using software to create a glitzy and glamorous user interface costs a whole lot less than designing making and assembling a bunch of switches and buttons and they he basically says touchscreens are an auto industry bean counters dream because they can you know obviously it's like a smartphone you just throw all this this technology into it on a chip and it can do all these things but it's not necessarily the most user-friendly thing to use uh what they're saying here is that uh, touchscreen dashboards offer more flexibility than analog dashboards but they have one big disadvantage and that is no haptic feedback and that's just basically the the tactile sensation of actually you know lifting something up or depressing something or hearing it click or something like that in the analog world world we can learn the location of a physical button and then find it without directing much attention to it. we've all done that when we're in our cars and we know like where the power window switches are and we know uh how they feel and things like that but with a uh, touch screen it's a different story you have to visually confirm its position on the screen and when more buttons are hidden under more menus selecting them involves more uh, involves multiple touch screen interactions requiring even more time and attention and that is time spent with the user interface instead of being uh, spent paying attention to what you're doing driving the car so it's an interesting uh conundrum again i've been using that word a lot today so there you go mr magpie i've replaced my word cool with conundrum in this episode but uh um you know we um you know we're we're always talking about distracted driving and things like that and you're just wondering with with the advent of more and more digital displays we had this story a, a few episodes ago about the japanese um or a chinese company that is talking about introducing a 48 inch wide digital display inside the car i just wonder where it's all going to go and and you know i don't have i have screens in a handful of my cars but i only believe i think only two of the cars that i have are actually they're actually touchscreen enabled uh, screens and there's still enough of redundancy for the most part that i can still press a button if i want instead of actually touching touching the screen but i know like in the mercedes it has their uh, version of of the bmw um iDrive. it's uh i can't remember what mercedes calls it but it's a little rotary controller and it has a, a digital uh a touch not a touchscreen a screen and you just scroll through the stuff using the the controller but you can't select anything with your with your fingers on the screen i think they did that on purpose because maybe they figure that touchscreens aren't the the greatest thing in the world but your lincoln mkc is it yeah does that have a touchscreen in it touchscreen and usually buttons yeah uh, one button that i saw recently that's not on the dash but is on the touchscreen is the uh hand uh the hand 
warming steering wheel. Okay. So it's only on the touch screen, not on. Really? The, There's yeah. no on-offs? Really? No. Yep. Wow. No, no on-off on the. So do you have to search for it when you want to turn it on, or is it is it hidden behind menus, or is it easily? It, it's, it's pretty easily identified yeah. when you turn the heating components on. Okay. So the seats can be warmed either with a button or with a touch screen, yeah. but yet the steering wheel's only touch screen. Interesting. Cause I, I but that's the only one I've seen. Okay, because I had mentioned um, you know, a couple episodes ago that I had the a Jeep uh, Cherokee as a loaner, and that had a huge touch screen, and it had the steering wheel and the heater controls and the seat controls on the touch screen as well. And I didn't drive the car enough to get familiar with all the redundancy that it had. I think it had... I'm not positive because I only had the car for a short period of time. I didn't drive it that much. But I thought it had still seat heat buttons, but maybe it didn't. I think they were doing most of the thing through the touchscreen. And, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with that car at all because it was a loner. So I got into it and I had to start hunting through these screens to yeah. figure out, you know, how do I turn the fan up Where and down? And sure. Exactly. So it can be a real uh, uh, hassle, I think, sometimes. And especially, too, if you're an older person, a senior citizen, you might not be that adept at scrolling through or or digging down into a menu to find a certain um you know function so it'll be interesting again as we always say here on the car guys report how things are going to pan out in the world of touch screens in modern cars it's uh let me see oh we're at the point here where we start talking about if you like the car guys report informed automotive make sure that not only when you listen to us that you take a few minutes to rate us as well we're available on apple Podcasts, spotify iheart google play stitcher and tune in you can also subscribe to us too when you subscribe to us you'll get an automatic push notification that tells you when there's new content and that would be once a week you can uh, go to opishows.com you can also search for radio misfits you can also search directly for our podcast just type in car guys report into google and you'll be directed right to where all the action is and the best thing about podcasting with the radio misfits podcast network is that it's totally free uh, and it's listening on your own terms whether you've got a a phone, a smartphone, a tablet, a laptop, a desktop, whatever you've got, you can uh, listen to us on any of those devices, and it's listening on your own terms. You can fast-forward, rewind, replay, do whatever you want. That's what podcasting is all about with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We are the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable, and uh, this is the point in the program where we uh, talk to Lou about uh, his popular YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. Lou, and we play the My Car Story with Lou guessing game, where I have to try to figure out which cars that Lou tells me about uh, got the most views on his channel. And this is totally unrehearsed. Lou brings this stuff in. I have no idea what he's going <laughs> to lay in front of me. So why don't you uh, tell us what you got? So to add to the story, I video cars, and when I video cars, someone else could video the exact same three cars and have completely different results. But we're just talking about... My Car Story with Lou YouTube channel. And I suggest check it out because there's over 1,400 fun cars on And 71,000 plus subscribers. Yeah, sure. So it's not just any YouTube <laughs> channel, Lou. Come on. Okay. So in year by car, oldest first, here's our three choices. And Mark is going to guess which one has the most views. And for the clarity, I wait a couple of weeks I see which one has the most sure. views, and we're, we're going. So the first one is a 1957 Buick Special Riviera Model 46R in white and gray and engine mm. sound. Okay. Number two, 1965, excuse me, 1964 Chrysler Turbine Car in Turbine Bronze. The uh, actual turbine car that they they made a yep. handful of those yeah okay right the, there's nine left and there's like only two that still run kind of looks like a t-bird it's always reminded me of a t-bird front end does look like a yeah. t-bird the back end does not look yeah. exactly like a t-bird but yes just the tail light uh yeah uh, execution a, a much more cooler yeah <laughs> than a, with it with a big chunk of uh rocket jet sitting yeah. out the back end of it <laughs> and then lastly a 79 fiat x19 targa survivor uh. in silver and i'll say before you pick one of these clearly beat the other two so i'll go through the three choices again 1957 buick special riviera model 46 r in white and gray with engine sound. 
64 Chrysler turbine car in turbine bronze, 79 Fiat X19 Targa Survivor in silver with engine sound. Well, I would be amazed if the turbine car was not number one. So you're picking turbine car number one. I'm picking turbine car number one, X19 number two, and the Buick is number three. Well, today you weren't that close. Really? Mark, yeah. Really? The 57 Buick had 10,052 views. Wow. That was the high. Really? The turbine car came in second at 4,791. So you tricked me. You did them in order. And, and, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the Fiat X19 was 2148. That's because it didn't pee enough. <laughs> yeah. This Fiat, this Fiat was a survivor <laughs> yeah. and everything works. Yeah. So, uh, wow, that amazes me because, I mean, I have nothing against Buicks, obviously. I think they're cool. And, of course, Bill Kubik, our 58 Buick specialist with the Car Guys Report, has been a guest on this program a couple of times so nothing against his his infinity for buicks but i would just think in the general public that buicks just never seem to generate that much enthusiasm and yet the 57 is a delightful it's treat. a cool car yeah. yeah it's 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 any anything that's um 55 through about 64 seems to do real well yeah. on the channel how could it beat out the turbine car though yeah right i mean I that's mean, just like such a cool car so so to your point that's the beauty of throwing stuff on youtube there's stuff that i and you would agree on yeah the turbine's gonna be just a smash knock it out of the park yeah can't miss video and a 57 buick which by the way is a cool car i mean doubles it i would never see it doubling yeah it. um and even the, the the Fiat Survivor. Well, how many are there left? There's probably about five X19s left that didn't rust out. To- total. <laughs> yeah. Let alone a Survivor. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it's absolutely amazing that uh, this is, in my opinion, this is the fun part of the channel yeah. is you never know. Yeah. So you. you that, that really amazed me. Of course, you didn't have an engine sound on the turbine, though, did you? The turbine <laughs> was, uh, it's at a museum. Yeah. And they actually disconnected all the turbines, I believe, but two. Okay. So only two turbines still left, and Jay Leno has one. Because if you had the engine sound with that, I think that would have been a killer. Well, I will I will say <laughs> that, that one day, hopefully soon, and there's nothing on the agenda, there's nothing that I'm knowing, but I'm just prophesying yeah. that hopefully <laughs> I meet Jay one day, and I'm doing a few videos of his cars. Now, for clarity... Oh, I think you'd be there for an entire week, deep well, inside his garage. Well, hey, Lou, are you, are you done yet? Come on. I got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. So so me videoing Jay Leno's cars is not going to bring my channel up. Jay Leno videoing my car exactly. might bring my channel up. So say, so, hey, I've never driven a Viper. Can I can I take a spin in your car? Yeah, he he's got a black one. Yes. Yeah. He loves that thing. Cool. Yeah, you, you definitely threw me for a loop on that one there, Lou, because I, I just did not see that happening. So Stay tuned, Mark. Exactly. you got another chance in Episode 50 yeah. coming up. Cool. Great. All right. Well, um, as usual, uh, if you've never uh, been to Lou's YouTube channel, it's My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. Definitely check it out. Some amazing cars and some amazing videos there for your enjoyment. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, some cool cars that don't sell in high volume. Some nifty stats on that. I'm always uh, impressed and amazed and kind of um, interested in production figures on cars. And uh, some of the the stuff that some of the production figures we'll talk about are actually quite low. So that's coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, tune in and listen to us. Certainly glad to have you along for the ride. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is the word hippo spelled backwards. O-P-P-I-E. Hshows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? What do you get when you hear a celebrity minutiaman interview, Dave? Rick, think of Dan Rather and Bill Meyer having a kid. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. So you'll get minutia. Right. What does a Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High really think about the movie? Only right. one place to find out, and that's Celebrity Minutiaman Interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Thank you.
Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, we talk about Hyundai's new nature sounds for drivers, plus a new Ferrari for non-Ferrari buyers. Hmm. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.